This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. The first time Donald Trump was deposed by Attorney General Tish James of New York, who spent more than two years calling him an inverted fraudster, the former president pleaded the Fifth Amendment repeatedly. But in a second deposition held this past April, the AG's office couldn't get him to shut up including about the beautiful marble bathrooms in his tremendous properties, a newly released transcript showed. In a seven-hour grilling that's a prelude to Trump's minimum $250 million civil fraud trial on October 2nd, his answers were so long-winded that one of James's lawyers said aloud, if he didn't speed it up, everyone in the room would be here until midnight. So I had a chance to peruse the details of the deposition, and Trump must have taken his crazy pills that day. As lawyers from the office grilled him on the inner workings of the family business, which is accused of inflating his net worth by billions of dollars, Trump responded with a series of meandering bullshit, political non-self, and, well, of course, self-aggrandizing mumbo-jumbo. Now, given the stakes, Trump should have been on his best behavior. But the 479-page document, which was unsealed Thursday, shows Trump in rare form. In that form, he's combative, he's rambling, he has very clearly gone insane. And asked about his authority at the Trump Organization while he was in the White House, Trump responded that he considered the presidency the most important job in the world, saving millions of lives. And I quote, I think you would have nuclear holocaust if I didn't deal with North Korea, Trump explained, and then added, and I think you might have a nuclear war now if you want to know the truth. The transcript shows a hyper-aggressive Trump who was named as a defendant in the case alongside his company and three of his children, at times barely allowing lawyers to get a word in. The former president frequently seems personally offended, I mean really fucking offended, by the idea that his net worth is being questioned. Trump showed off his knack for superlatives, uttering the words, beautiful and incredible, a whopping 15 times each, and phenomenal six times as he described his properties. Trump called his Turnberry Scotland golf course one of the most iconic places in the world, and then renovated villas at his Doral Golf Resort near Miami, saying it's the most beautiful rooms you've ever seen. Trump described his Seven Springs estate north of New York City as the greatest house in New York State. His golf course is in Aberdeen, Scotland? Really? Incredible? Jupiter, Florida? An incredible facility? I mean, just outside Los Angeles? An incredible property? An unbelievable property? A phenomenal property that fronts on the ocean? I don't want to sell any of them, Trump testified. But if I ever sold them, if I ever put some of these things up for sale, I would get numbers that were staggering. Now he went on and he said that he could get 1.5 billion. I mean, get a load of this shit. That he could get 1.5 billion for his Mar-a-Lago estate in Florida. And maybe 2.5 billion for Doral. Trump suggested that he could get a 
fortune from the Saudi Arabia-backed Live Golf League for the Turnberry course, a former British Open site. There would be people that would do anything to own Doral. There are people that would do anything to own Turnberry or Mar-a-Lago or Trump Tower or 40 Wall Street. I mean, the guy's fucking delusional. Trump is seeking to have the case thrown out. A judge could rule on that effort next month, but for now, the case appears headed to trial on October 2nd. The New York Times released a series of excerpts from the transcript that gave a taste of just how fucking unhinged the deposition was. And for fun, I'll read some of the choiciest bits for you right now. Trump throws his son Eric under the bus. The former president was asked by Kevin Wallace, a senior lawyer in Tish James' office, about his relationship to the company. He said that he was not the final decision maker, though he later suggested he might be involved in something major, final decisions, whatever. And here's what went on. Kevin Wallace, Mr. Trump, are you currently the person with ultimate decision-making authority for the Trump Organization? Donald Trump, no. Mr. Wallace, who would that be? Mr. Trump, my son Eric is much more involved with it than I am. I've been doing other things. Now, this is a notable mention of his son Eric, because it's widely known that Trump considers both Eric and Don Jr. to be fucking idiots of the highest order. The idea that he would entrust them to make a sandwich, much less run his business, it's fucking laughable. Unless he planned to throw his kids under the bus. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Trump will defend himself by blaming his children who could potentially go to prison for their father. So let me go on further. Trump says that he protected the world from nuclear war while in office. And in an exchange soon after that, Trump acknowledged that those other things included having been president. And here's the question, Mr. Trump. I was very busy. I was, I considered this the most important job in the world, saving millions of lives. I think you would have nuclear holocaust if I didn't deal with North Korea. I think you would have a nuclear war if I weren't elected. And I think you might have a nuclear war now if you want to know the truth. Well, then Trump goes on to decline to say, who has expressed interest in buying Mar-a-Lago when questioned. Because during the deposition, Trump claimed to own the greatest pieces of property in the world and said that if he were ever to put them up for sale, the prices offered would be staggering. At one point, Mr. Wallace decided to test one of those assertions. Mr. Trump, I've had people say, if you ever sell Mar-a-Lago, please call me. That's not for sale. Mr. Wallace then questioned, who, for example, has told you that? And Trump then responded, well, I'd rather not say because I don't want to embarrass them and I may be putting some of these people on the stand. Now, later in the session, Trump admitted that he didn't know anyone who specifically made offers, but I know they're very rich people. I mean, do you understand the insanity? Do you understand the levels of bullshit that this guy just spews? Now Trump goes on and he derides his annual financial statements, saying that he never felt they would be taken seriously. The Attorney General's case against Trump focuses on his annual financial statements, which she says 
overvalued his properties by up to $2.2 billion in the year just of 2015 alone. Now, each of Donald Trump's financial statements is riddled with disclaimers which say that Trump's accountants had not reviewed or authenticated his claims. And during the deposition, Trump refers to those disclaimers, saying that they essentially rendered the statements meaningless. So here's what Trump says. I never felt that these statements would be taken very seriously because you open it up and right at the beginning of the statement, you read a page and a half of stuff saying, go get your own accounting, go get your own this, go get your own that. So Mr. Wallace then pushes on and says, so why did you get these statements prepared? And Mr. Trump responds, I would say more for maybe myself just to see the list of properties. I think more for myself than anything else. Sometimes an institution would like to see. Trump describes the value of his brand. And then when asked during the deposition what might have been left out of his annual financial statements, Trump at first seemed to dispute the premise of the question, saying they list everything in the kitchen sink here. But he then went on a Trump-style tear, saying, Trump estimated that his brand alone is worth maybe 10 billion. He called it the most valuable asset I have and attributed his political success to the ubiquity of his name and persona. I became president because of the brand, okay? Trump said, I became president. I think it's the hottest brand in the world. Trump then went on and said, the biggest thing that is not included is my brand. My lawyers never bring it up, but my brand is the biggest. And cause you can, maybe you can double or triple my statement. But my brand is, if I wanted to create a good statement, I'd start off with sentence number one, my brand is worth billions and billions of dollars. Now Trump's friends say he is the most honest person in the world. And asked about policies and procedures to ensure that the Trump organization complies with the law, he said, that's why we have law firms. You know, we have law firms that do this. And Trump's words and friends of mine have said, you are the most honest person in the world. So we've done a good job. Don't get credit for it. That's okay. And that's all the time that we have for deposition theater. But I promise we'll have more once we get more transcripts released. Because in all fairness, we just can't leave this shit alone. It's fucking priceless. I mean, Donald is the fucking idiot that just keeps on giving. And now for the main event. My next guest on Mea Culpa returns to us from the wilds of Boca Raton, Florida. I'm talking about Lev Parnas. Lev is a Soviet-born businessman who, along with Rudy Kaludi Giuliani and Igor Fruman, played a central role in the campaign to pressure Ukraine to investigate Trump's political rivals, including Joe and Hunter Biden. Parnas was thrown into Trump's first impeachment drama, but he ended up working with federal prosecutors against Giuliani and the former president. Parnas is currently serving a 20-month sentence for campaign finance, wire fraud, and false statement offenses, and is speaking to us today while on home confinement. 
I want to be clear. Lev is a truth teller and unafraid to remember the things that most folks wish that he could forget. So sorry, folks, but there's a hashtag that Parnas deploys that says it all. Lev remembers. What that means for Rudy Giuliani, for Donald Trump, and the rest of these criminals is that they are in deep shit because Lev remembers. So let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Lev, look, it's been one hell of a week watching Trump and Rudy and all of the other co-conspirators turn themselves in for, you know, for booking at Fulton County Jail. Now, we have both suffered from the lies, the narcissism, and the greed of these men. Do me a favor, discuss with my listeners how you felt as their mugshots were being plastered all over the world. Uh, it was, a, it was, it was a, you know, first of all, it was very surreal, but it was, it was amazing. I mean, it was something that finally, you know, accountability was being served by people that were getting away with all kinds of shit and blaming other people and like yourself and me and others that you know, had to suffer for their crimes, their, their things that they did. And now they were finally getting uh, accountability. I mean, look, Trump, this is his fourth one. What I was really very happy about is finally Rudy. Rudy got accountability and his <laughs> life should have it. Rico, <laughs> the law that he perfected is now, you know, going to stick with yeah, it. Rico, Rico, Rudy. Yeah, Rico Rudy became... <laughs> That became a uh, a trending thing on uh, on the platform X. Yeah, platform X. <laughs> you don't even know Twitter X. It's like uh, <laughs> things change. It's crazy. Yeah, but it's but it's true. You know, and then Rudy started to come out very Trumpian, and he talked about the violation of his First Amendment rights. He talked about the weaponization of the Justice Department. This is all the shit that they were involved in. When it came to me. So I love the fact that they're trying to deflect on what they know that they did, believing that they could somehow alter the universe, alter reality into making themselves, which is what Rudy really wants for himself. He wants to be a martyr like Donald. He wants to go down in history as a guy who was abused fighting for justice. Those days yeah, are over. No, absolutely. I mean, it's like, you know, a liar calling you a liar. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, they it's their own actions, what they did, you know, weaponizing the Justice Department when Trump had Bill Barr at his side and doing what they did to you, did to, to me and other people. Uh, you trying to, you know, uh, basically use the justice system against with all Americans. And now when they're getting uh, accountability for their crimes, they're trying to cry wolf, basically. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, it most certainly is. And then, of course, you know, Rudy has a slew of financial oh, issues. Absolutely. I don't know if you saw, he recently just uh, listed his apartment um, here on Madison Avenue. Uh, he went with Bob Costello to Mar-a-Lago for a pilgrimage the for bag. money. <laughs> that, didn't turn out, that didn't turn out so well. What's the deal, as you know it, with Rudy and money? The fact that, what did he get? A $150,000 bond. Yep. And he has no money within which to pay for the bond, or he has no cash as well in order to get copies of documents that he needs to defend himself. Tell, go through the whole Rudy story. He can't story. hire an attorney. Well, I mean, Rudy's been going through financial difficulties ever since his divorce. 
ever since he was getting divorced, he was been trying to hide money, trying to deflect money, trying to somehow get money through other sources. So for her not to see it, you know, for him to be able to hide it for himself. So he's been going through financial difficulties as, as long as I've known him. We've had to pay for dinners, private planes. I mean, he likes the grift. He likes to use it and have people pay for him and do things and pretend that, you know, it's a privilege to take care of Rudy Giuliani, pay for his dinner or pay for his hotel room or pay for his private jet. So, yeah, I mean, uh, this doesn't it doesn't surprise me, especially with all the civil lawsuits. You know, the one from Noel Dunphy, she's suing him for, I think, over $10 million. You got Rudy, uh, Ruby, I'm sorry, so, uh, from the lady from Georgia and her daughter suing him, which he's already basically lost that case. He's come out and admitted that he lied, even though he tries to pretend that, you know, he that's just a filing, that he doesn't admit to any lying. So, yeah, I mean, uh, and I think uh, right now the grift is on. You see him going out there trying to do what Trump does and say the same exact words that he does, that I'm fighting for you, support me, and uh, trying to collect money off uh, regular people that, you know, might not have the money for their own weekly salary, you know, food and stuff like that to send it to Rudy because of a con that he basically perpetrated and set up. So, I mean, I think he's in a world of shit. You know, uh, he doesn't even have the money for an attorney. He had to, you know, his attorney came out, the one that had him in Georgia, and said that he doesn't even know if they're going to have a relationship or he just represented him basically for the bail bonds hearing. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's just, and Donald Trump, I mean, he's never paid him any money. He always tried to get money from uh, Trump. He's always tried to play that role where, you know, Trump's going to take care of me. But every time, you know, even back in the day, Trump never gave him any money. Trump always told him, Rudy, just, you know, fuck off, basically, <laughs> and never gave him any money. But the interesting part is now uh, I saw uh, that there, Trump has tried to hold a fundraiser for him at Bed Minister, $100,000 plate. How's that going to work? They're both in their bond hearing. They both signed that they cannot speak to each other. They, they're co-conspirators, co-indicted defendants. And now all of a sudden they're going to be together. The uh... You know, Van Jones actually uh, touched on this the other night. And that's not exactly what it says. What it says is that they cannot discuss, he cannot discuss, threaten, intimidate, try to harass another um, defendant, any of the co-defendants or co-conspirators in this case. So technically, he could be in the same location. He could throw a fundraiser. I'm not sure who the hell would go and spend $100,000 <laughs> in honor of Rudy's legal bills. But I, I mean, I really don't. Uh, what benefit do you get out of it? The answer is zero. But they can't talk about the case. The right. case. And something that Van said, which, which I thought was interesting, is, well... This is going to make, obviously, um, understanding or tracking what they're doing basically impossible, right? Where how are you going to know at a private club when there's maybe, what, 10, 15 people uh, in there? I mean, if they could even get 10, 15 people, right? How are you going to ever know what it is that they're talking about in private? And the answer is you won't. And the answer is both Donald and Rudy are so corrupt their core is so corrupt that as things progress there's no doubt in my mind that they'll be in the same place oh absolutely and that they will end up discussing this the problem is that fonnie willis the prosecutors they'll never know 
And there is no way to actually find that yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, that was Rudy's MO back in the day. I mean, every time he would always uh, mention it to me and pride himself saying that they hate him at the White House because he used to use the attorney privilege client, attorney client privilege uh, routine where that he would walk in and because he was Trump's attorney, nobody would be in the Oval and the two of them could speak about whatever they wanted without it being t notes taken. So, I mean, that, that's exactly, you know, that mafia style of, you know, <laughs> we could talk about. But, you know, the surprising part with these bumbling fools anything is possible <laughs> somebody will record him somebody will overhear him and you know it's just their 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 mm -hmm. crew they can't shoot straight so i wouldn't put it anything past them <laughs> i wouldn't put it past rudy to record himself, it himself but, but, and now but, we say uh, to donald <laughs> you know what two people showed up 200 grand is not going to do anything regarding this i need the you know five million dollars that you owe me you know um <laughs> Because you, do you remember when Rudy turned around and said, you know, that I have an insurance policy, yeah. don't worry, and so on? You have any idea what that insurance policy uh, that was? That was just full of shit. That was uh, Rudy bumbling and saying things that, you know, he was saying he had no insurance policy. Uh, unless the insurance policy was that he, Trump, knew everything that was going on with Ukraine and Venezuela and everything that the shadow diplomacy w was doing that we were a part of. I mean, that could have been it, but then that came out. So I don't think Rudy really had any insurance policy uh, as far as I think that's just a bumbling. Well, you know, look, so it's I found and I always find Rudy to be just a pathetic human being. And the thing that I was curious about is as I was watching Rudy going to surrender to um, the Fulton County Jail, he flew privately. <laughs> now, if you're crying for money, and, I, and I'm not the only one who said this, but I certainly said it, if you're crying for money, you can't afford a lawyer, you can't afford your bail. What are you doing flying? He was flying on a 15-passenger yeah, hawker. That. Yeah, that, that's like 30. Do you have any idea who's, whose plane is that? I have that? no idea whose plane that is, but, you know, the grift is real. I mean, that, that's in, I don't believe that Rudy, Rudy doesn't have money that he could show. I think he has money that's hidden. I think Rudy has, uh, you know, uh, people that he works like, you know, he used to behind the scenes where he puts other people in front to do contracts, to do work, and then they owe him on the back end. So I think he has, you know, uh, listen, that's the crazy part for being a, a big time law abiding supposedly citizen and somebody that took down the mob and the ex United States attorney, mayor, and somebody that ran for president. He's as crooked as they come. He knows how to play the the game. He knows how to hide and play in all of this stuff. And then you could see it even in his reactions and the way he's going about, you know, these civil cases that he has going on by trying to hide money and trying to pretend that certain things didn't happen when they're factually happened, trying to use technicalities instead of, you know, proving that he's innocent. Yeah, but he's not the only one who tries that, right? I mean, that's a that's a common sort of what they call rich man's problem, right? Right When, you know, you have all these... The big case that's going to really fuck Rudy terribly is the Dominion oh, yeah. case, where he's been pulled into... And that's the one... Look, <laughs> the Ruby Freeman, Shai Moss one, he's going to lose that one. That's yeah. millions. But the Dominion one, that goes to a number that... <laughs> Two billion, I think, was it? Even if you're, even if you're worth a billion dollars, yeah. you still can't afford to pay, that, to pay that. So he'll end up in a situation where whatever he has will end up basically being seized and sold.
including whatever monies he may end up with as a result of the sale of this property. Don't forget, he owes you know, his ex-wife um, a couple yeah. million dollars, I think, uh, in terms of from the divorce uh, settlement. So he's not going to walk away. And I don't know whether or not that there's a mortgage on that property either, but he's not walking away with, say, $6 million here. You know, the bulk of that's going elsewhere. And whatever else is sort of left over, I'm pretty sure that whether it's Shea Moss or Ruby Freeman or whether it be Dominion or whoever else has lawsuits against Rudy, I'm pretty sure that they're going to try to tie that up because as smart as Rudy thinks he is, he's not. You can't have, yeah, you can't have somebody paying for your life when you have these sorts of judgments against you. And you're single. Now, had he stayed with his ex-wife and, you know, maybe she, you know, was the owner of the company and she's the one making the payments and he basically has nothing and he's living, tech, you know, so to speak, off of her. But he was too stupid for that. What is it? Is it like his fourth wife yeah. or something <laughs> like that? And it's funny because he's such a disgusting man. I mean, in terms of looks, in terms of behavior, attitude. You ever he's see the way slob, he eats? Yeah. He eats with his fucking he's fingers. He's he a talks, slob. He's, he's drunk. Bits. He's a yeah. slob. I mean, man. it's... It's gross. Yeah. I think one of the things he's, uh, I've been hearing that he's trying to be outsmart uh, some of these lawsuits by selling the places in New York, and he wants to buy something here in Florida and use the Homestead Act and try to protect himself on whatever he purchases here. It'll be interesting to see if he's able to do that or if they could pierce that. But, you know, yeah, he's definitely right now trying to hide anything he possibly can. He knows his days are numbered. Yeah. He knows that. I mean, you could tell in his book. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to really have to worry about living, you know, um, scenario, because I do really believe, you know, and I said this the other day on television, I believe that folks like Rudy and um, John Eastman yep. and some of these other co-conspirators, they're going to all end up, they're going to all end up in prison. Yeah, no, 100%. I don't know for what term. And so they're going to all end up in prison. Do I think Donald will? And I say this begrudgingly i don't number one i don't think he would end up even if found guilty i think they'll put him into a serious home confinement situation because look at the way they treated him yesterday like a fucking king like a like nobility like the president 40 man motorcade shutting down the roads yeah. opening up the <laughs> skies for him to get to what to a fingerprint mugshot as an indicted defendant and you get this sort of treatment, I don't believe that they'll put him into a prison. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't even want him there because I really care more about this country than about the visual of Donald in an orange jumpsuit. He knows too much. As a former president, he was debriefed every single day for four years. I don't trust any of that information in Donald's head. And I say it, you know, as a joke, but I don't mean it to be a joke. He would sell that information for a bag of tuna <laughs> or for a book of stamps. Absolutely, yeah. No, I don't think they'll ever put him in a regular prison uh, for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. But I did think, you know, there's a scenario where once he's found guilty and because of the, I mean, look, Michael, he's facing 91 charges and all of these charges are so serious. I mean, a couple of them or one of them could be life sentence for him, let alone if he's convicted on several or if, you know, plenty of them. Uh, I think it would be a 
very bad precedent if they don't do something to him. I think one of the things that could possibly happen is they could put him on a military base, you know, and uh, they have those special prisons, you know, like Guantanamo Bay or something like that, where uh, nah, no <laughs> where they put him far away. Nah. Each other. I think it's uh, to be honest with you, I think. Yeah, but I think it's more about the information, the national security uh, secrets and information that he possesses that I think would be the factor that they would take into consideration and not put him into any facility where he will be with anybody that he could disseminate that information to. There's no doubt, there's no doubt in my mind. And on top of that, we don't even know where all the documents are. We know the ones that were right. recovered, but we don't know whether there are duplicates. We don't know whether or not there's other documents, hard, you know, thumb drives, um, photos. We don't know any yeah. of that. And again, you know, he'd become a target for some foreign asset to figure right. it all out. It was out. interesting, actually, before he surrendered, one of the things he did, they, it just uh, came out of the news that he sold Mar-a-Lago for $422 million to Don Jr. So he put it in Don Jr.'s name. Now it's not his anymore. Interesting, huh? <laughs> that, he sold, that he sold Mar-a-Lago? You yeah, know, it's funny. To, I didn't hear Jr., that. Yeah. Look, <laughs> it's a... It's an unqualified transfer. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. They'll be able to claw it back. Um, you know, there's no obvious transfer of any money whatsoever. Um, he has so many other issues that's there. I'm not even worried about Mar-a-Lago. They will claw that back because it's a um, technically a gift, yeah, right? I, I, and I'm sure Don Jr. didn't pay <laughs> gift tax I'm on sure that he money. And <laughs> even, 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 could you imagine? And even more than that. You know, it's a um, it's an order to avoid debtor creditor. Yeah. And that's an immediate clawback. It's look, it's a stupid move. Donald knows it. You know, I'm sure the lawyers, you know, turn around and said, oh, you know, this this could work. Obviously, they'll go after you. But it puts another layer in between in order to protect the asset. And in all fairness, Mar-a-Lago and you know, maybe up at Seven Springs in the Bedford Katona area. Um, you know, those are really the valuable assets that he has. The other golf courses, they lose money, you know, and you can't build on them. You can't do anything. Mar-a-Lago has a value to it because it's Palm Beach, yeah. you know, Colts Neck, New Jersey, Gunnish McGunnish, <laughs> nothing for nothing, right? You have Bedminster also, you know, the property directly next door, which is, you know, let's say half the size. It's for sale for like, you know, $13 million. It's a, a private residence with 11 million, whatever it is. You know, so it's, it's nonsensical. But let's discuss for a second Trump's mugshot. <laughs> do you think, right? Do you think that he practiced giving that mad dog look to the camera, right? Because it's instantly now iconic. Absolutely. I mean, for, iconic for all the wrong reasons, as he's already, <laughs> already now on t shirts and, and coffee mugs. And being used by Donald yep. as a means of fundraising. I think it was all a plan. Absolutely. I think it was all, you know, even the Tucker Carlson interview on X, and then all of a sudden him posting on X yesterday uh, with his mugshot as his first post. And then uh, 10 minutes later, you got Don Jr. 
all of a sudden posting all the you know to buy the mugs and the t-shirts with this it was all pre-played pre-planned you know it was a basically he's using his supporters as suckers and it's it's sad to see that they're falling for it and you know <laughs> it's crazy i mean it, it, he knew exactly what he was that's what he planned to do you know the surrender prime time and every everything he did with that uh turning himself into the uh jail was pre pre-planned pre you know notion to be able to raise money off of it and grift some more it's it's really amazing yeah. isn't it so here's a guy who needs to surrender for the fourth time this time to have a mugshot taken and all of a sudden it becomes a shit show and the one thing that he's thinking the thing that he's Speaking to all of the uh, aides that he has around, uh, whatever the group is that's there now, I don't know any, really any of them anymore. Should I look angry? Should I look happy? Should I look defiant? What visual do I want to portray to the American people? Forget about the fact that you, your ass is going to jail. You're right. There's 91 counts currently pending against him. Mind you, that doesn't even include Tish James, our unsinkable New yep. York Attorney General, that has the civil case yep. against him, that has a minimum of $250 million. I believe it'll go more towards 700 So Don Jr. could think whatever he wants as it relates to Mar-a-Lardo, because that place is going to end up getting seized. By the way, for the homestead, that's not going to work either. The only way, you know, that I know that, that you said, yeah, that can only protect from homestead, civil, but, not uh, from criminal. Yeah, but that only protects, uh, yeah, not for Correct. criminal. Um, but one of the things that's, again, odd is the fact that all he's thinking about, and it goes to the narcissistic sociopathy of the man, the one thing that he's thinking about, the thing that's most important to him, is not his freedom, it's not the embarrassment, it's not the embarrassment to the country, it's how should I look when I'm having that mugshot taken? <laughs> and he's got this like mad dog sort of <laughs> defiant, obnoxious, angry, scowling look on his face. And I just wonder, because knowing him as well as I do, there's no doubt that he stood in front of oh, a mirror and practiced it. <laughs> I mean, he, there's no doubt about that one. Absolutely. But I wonder, I wonder how long do you think that it took him to finally get it down? Oh, I think half the day, I think all day. That's why until the, till they got onto the plane and even on the plane, I'm sure he kept going into the mirror in the bathroom and looking in the mirror and, looking at himself i mean the guy <laughs> i wonder how many people he could you imagine i wonder how many people he was said hey love love what do you think yeah. of this face <laughs> you know yeah. jason miller Susie wow hey what do you think <laughs> i mean this he's in, he's insane could, you know and it's funny he posts on his tw uh, ex the uh, never surrender meanwhile he's already surrendered four times you know <laughs> for he surrendered right. four times but i mean it just uh it's ridiculous to see how the people uh, that are, you know, part of his cult, 
or that mega cult are so like blinded to his uh, to what everything he's doing. It's like it's that's the scary part that you know our country you know is so divided. I mean, he's be was able to divide us to such a degree, and to have you know try have them believe that the justice system is now weaponized again. That it's Biden's justice system, and and the funny part is it's all Republicans. All the witnesses against them are Republicans. All the witnesses that are given are Republicans. There's no Democrats involved, and nobody's real. So now they're all rhinos. They're they're traitors. It's just a one lie after another, and it, it just it's incredible to see. I mean, we're living in a crazy time right now. And it's no less of a lie than that he's six foot three <laughs> and two hundred and fifteen. He couldn't pounds. even hold himself back out of I mean, the weight. He just he lies, you know, people uh, don't realize could, that you know better than at most. I mean, everything comes out of his mouth and there's some lie to something. I mean, he just can't stop it. He just can't stop himself. It's path it's it's pathological yeah. is really what it is. Now look, Lev, you've obviously had your own personal journey involved with these guys, especially Rudy Kaludi, <laughs> yeah. drunk and Giuliani. I'm curious, as the defendants begin to turn on one another in this Georgia case, do you think that Rudy will ever turn on Trump? And if not, if not, what do these men have on one another that's actually keeping them loyal to one another? I can't figure it out. It's not loyalty, Michael. Neither one of them knows the word what loyal is. They use the word loyalty to be able to push other people to try to be loyal to them, but loyalty with either one of them goes one way. So they don't have loyalty. They, they, it's, it's a little different. I think with Rudy, I don't think he's going to flip. I said, I think you're going to have the others like Sidney Powell. You're going to have maybe Clark because he knows the justice system. He knows where, you know, when eventually the pressure starts coming down, he knows what the end results are going to be. And, and other people, there's, you know, 18 other individuals there that I don't think are going to want to go to prison for five, 10 years or even more for Donald Trump. I think this is the process of beginning. And, you know, once they start pushing, it gets scarier and scarier and people start understanding that they're not only livelihoods, their families are going to get destroyed. So I think lots of people are going to flip on him. But Rudy, I don't believe so. I think uh, he's at a time in his life where he's, you know, in poker, when they say you're all in, he doesn't have any more chips left. He's never going to be accepted by the right. I mean, by the left, he's never going to be accepted by any normal people. The only crowd he has to, you know, uh, be in front of is that mega cult individuals. And if he turns on Trump, he loses that. Plus, you know, for him to turn, he's still probably going to be looking at some sort of jail time. I mean, I don't see that they give him a complete immunity deal to be able to turn on Trump. And what is he going to do? What does he have left? How is he going to be able to grift? How is he going to be able to survive? So, no, I think Rudy's going to play it till the end. He's going to try to. I think he also is hoping, just like Trump is, that he wins and then he'll pardon all of them. And, you know, they have their own. But this is a Georgia. This is Georgia. This is a state case. He can't pardon him right, on but this. they're still thinking they're going to try to move it to federal. I mean, these people are narcissists. You know, they they don't they don't they don't look at reality the way normal people look at reality. They have a, a reality in their own little box and vision of the way they see it and the way it's going to be. Uh, plus, at his age, you know, he's thinking he's going to prolong it. You know, he's going to you know appeal it. There's so many different things. He's not looking at it. it's happening tomorrow. And, and I think that's where, you know, but the closer he gets, it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. Because even in Trump's fundraisers right now, it's all about him. It's not about the other 19 people. I mean, just take a look at Jenna Ellis. I mean, that's just hilarious. 
she turned on Trump, basically started go supporting DeSantis. And now if you see her tweets, it's every day supporting Trump because trying to get some money from him to help him help her with her legal fees because he's not paying But they don't realize he's not paying anybody's legal fees. But that's but that's why I asked you this question, because and we could use instead of taking Rudy Giuliani out of it and put any one of the 18 uh, co-defendants or the, um, you know, co-conspirators into this. He's not paying anybody's nope. legal bills. He's not helping anybody. I mean, Rudy's the only one that he's helping to the extent of holding a fundraiser. And I'm pretty sure no one's going to yeah, show be, up. I, I mean, I, I, I don't. I, I truly don't. I, I don't. I truly don't see it. I can't. Hundred thousand. I mean, I a uh, hundred grand a plate. <laughs> I mean, it's it's. A, by the way, that in and of itself is fucking obnoxious. But when I asked you, you know, that they'll turn on one another in this case. So let's just use Rudy for a quick second. Donald's not paying his legal bills. He's not assisting regarding the bond. That's already been done. He doesn't have a lawyer because he can't afford a lawyer right now. He's looking at substantial jail time. The way I see it, the only thing that he actually has to offer is information. And if he does that, maybe he could negotiate some sort of a immunity on a 5K1 type deal. I mean, it's possible. Maybe. I mean, anything's possible. Anything is possible. But so far, Trump has demonstrated that there is no reciprocity when it comes to loyalty. It's all about Donald. And one thing Rudy... I do believe, understands, is that what will happen is Trump will throw him under the bus. You see, Rudy always looked at me. You remember this when we saw each other. For example, you were with Rudy and uh, a couple of other guys over at the Trump Hotel in D.C. And you remember listening to Rudy talking to me. So what about this? What about that? How did you do that? How do you do that? Because he was basically picking for information to figure out how to... Be the next Michael yeah. Cohen. Well, it's, it's true. And now he is the next Michael Cohen. He's now an indicted individual with a mugshot. And he is going to be going up against a fierce district yep. attorney that looks at him like the piece of shit that he is and wants to put him away. Unless there's some form of cooperation that he can give that benefits her, Fannie Willis, and the prosecution. So for me, I don't see Rudy wanting to go to prison. And I I take everything that you said, and I agree with it. He has nothing else. He still has his freedom. And the one thing I know that he does not want is to be inside of any facility. Least of all, you know where they have to turn themselves into if they're found guilty. That Fulton County Jail, which is, according to many, worse than Rikers Island. That's pretty bad. Rikers is pretty bad. Yeah. But you know what, Michael? I mean, everything you're saying makes sense for a normal, common-sense individual. But we're dealing with a narcissistical, crazy individual that doesn't think the same way you would think. Plus, you know, the biggest thing he doesn't have, not only doesn't he have money, he doesn't have support. He doesn't have loving support around him that could advise him the proper way. I mean, he only has people that are grifting off of him. They're trying to use him for whatever their privilege, whatever they want to get out of him. 
And, you know, he also, keep in mind, you know, just like I know, Rudy thinks he's a mobster. So he has, he's playing that tough yep. guy role that I'm going to, you know, like the Don. I'm not going to talk. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to show them. I'm going to win. I'm going to prevail at the end until they're looking at 20 years to prison. And then you know how it goes. So, yeah, I mean, the logical sense would be absolutely. Rudy should be right now sitting at uh, not only Fannie Willis, but Jack Smith's office and try and cut the best possible deal, save his ass and, you know, put an end to this and save the country save the country from the may- mayhem that's going on. But instead, he's fueling out, putting the fuel to the fire. He's spreading more lies continuously, you know, spreading, you know, that same propaganda that, that uh, Trump is spreading. And uh, it, it's funny. They asked Trump, oh, do you think Rudy's going to flimp at you? And he said, no, Rudy's strong. Rudy could take care of himself. Rudy, <laughs> Rudy could take care of himself. He didn't say, I got Rudy. Rudy could take care of himself. Like, he's, he's strong. He'll stand up to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, 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 in in the real world, you're 100 percent right. But just knowing Rudy being around him, I'd be surprised if he if he flipped. Not because it's not the right thing, or there's just you know he's it's his whole mo. It's who he thinks he is. It's you know he's he's basically sold his soul, and, and the narcissism drives him to a d- totally different pro, uh, level. Yeah, and what's with Bernie Kerrick hanging <laughs> yeah, around right? him? I mean, I mean, what, what the hell? What the hell is that all about? I mean, that's hilarious. I mean, it, all of a sudden, Bernie Carrick is going with them to Georgia. That's another co-conspirator, unindicted co-conspirator. I don't know how they're getting around all of these. I think they're going to get tripped up with some of this stuff. This is going to, if you take a list of all the co-conspirators and the conspirators and the indicted individuals, eventually somewhere they're going to get tripped up. I think that's. Uh, I mean, Carrick uh, has his own problems, <laughs> and now he's running around with Rudy. This is a guy that basically went to prison. You know, he was the chief of police, and then he went to prison because he had, uh, you know, uh, immigrants were that were working, and he wasn't paying them. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy yeah. cast. It, it is. So, look, Rico Rudy made his reputation in the 80s using Rico, right, as a potent weapon to take down the mobsters. Now, of course, the tables have turned, and he has to face the music largely, as you said before, of his own creation. So if the prosecution asked you to testify against Rudy, would you go to Georgia? And what would you want the world to know about Rudy that they already don't know? No, absolutely. I definitely, you know, uh, would go to Georgia, and, uh, you know, or anywhere else and uh, do my civil duty and tell the truth under oath and uh, everything that I know about Rudy. I mean, listen, there's not too much that the world doesn't know about Rudy, uh, but uh, it's a different hearing it from the horse's mouth that Rudy will go to any extreme and will do illegal things to be and try to hide him. Whereas, you know, uh, people can't imagine it yet because of his background, because of who he was and the way he comes out and says it. But Rudy does, you know, try to, uh, you know, uh, hide money, uh, not pay taxes and do some of the crimes that he, you know, put other people away to prison for. You know what's amazing? I was watching um, this new uh, miniseries the one with uh, Matthew Broderick, I forget what, it's, what it was called, but it's all about Oxy, right? And Richard Sackler, it's where Matthew Broderick oh, plays. Oh, that's a new uh, one, I didn't, get, I didn't see it yet, yeah. Yeah, I forget the name of it, but it's fantastic, by the way. Um, it's a sort of uh, another dope sick was the first one, I forget mm-hmm. what this one's called. Anyway, the reason I bring it up is I didn't know that Rudy was involved 
in assisting Sackler to get the FDA approvals and in order to stop the uh, indictments against Sackler uh, for basically lying and paying off people at you know the um, at the F- FDA at the FDA uh, in order to get this language put into the yeah. um, you know to the script uh, for Oxy, which of course has wreaked havoc on this country and other countries to the extent only maybe COVID or heroin has. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know that either uh, when I found out, when people started telling me that after, I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard about it. And but it doesn't surprise me, Michael. I mean, it was the same way that he dealt with when, when he was dealing with Turkey, underhanded to be able for his own purposes, try to uh, manipulate uh, the president's office to be able to give certain, you know, uh, pardons and certain releases. Same way he mani- manipulated Ukraine and individuals in Ukraine. Uh, same way he dealt with uh, Venezuela. I mean, I've seen the pattern over and over, and that's why I write about my book, Shadow Diplomacy, that's coming out soon. That I think it'll give a real good look at how Rudy uh, used the power of the office with Trump to be able to do all underhand, all kinds of underhanded things. Yeah, it's the only reason why he was sticking around Trump. He always, through Giuliani Partners, that's what he was all about, yep. selling and peddling influence whether it was legit or not. What most people ultimately found out is that he was full of shit, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> you know uh, and that, you know, that they had this ability in order to get X, Y, and Z done, and he would take huge, huge... By the way, it's Netflix that it's on. It's called Painkiller. Painkiller, that's um, right, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, he would try to peddle this influence that he did not have. And after a short while, people were like, hey, 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 whoa, whoa. I'm paying you really big money here, and you made an uh, you made a claim that you can do X, Y, and Z. So far, you've accomplished shit. Absolutely, and that's why his reputation got wrecked early, early on. And you know, he's in the financial situation that he's in because yeah, you're not wrong when you say he's full of shit. But I want to ask you this, love, because knowing the behind scenes, the foot soldiers who did and continue to do. A lot of Trump's dirty work. Yep. Describe to me how Trump gives orders to men like Giuliani. See, I and I'm gonna. Yeah. I I know how he would give me no, orders, no. I mean, and I'm gonna answer the question too. But how would he give orders to Rudy if you were around and you were listening? I mean, I'll give you a simple fact: how he gave me an order. You know, when we were at the White House and uh, he won. You know, we were there to discuss Ukraine. He turned around to me. He looked at me. He said. Rudy tells me good things. Keep up the good work with a wink and a pat on the back. I mean, Trump, uh, if anybody's ever, you know, me and you both lived in New York and we've, uh, through our background, have experiences of dealing with, uh, you know, people from the other side, uh, from the mob and seeing how they operate. And that's exactly what Trump is all about. I mean, he doesn't talk directly or straight to what he wants. And he's like, Oh, Rudy, can you get me this? I mean, that that would, it would be great if there was if this came if th- this came out or oh really this this would be you know like in these conversations without giving a direct order and say go get this you know he would be talking about like you know in 
code language, like, uh, you know, just in case. And that's because he grew up around the mob. He grew up around all these guys and watch how they talk and mimic them. And that's uh, how he talks, uh, you know, when he gives orders, not just to Rudy, but other people I heard him talking to, like, you know, over the phone with like John Solomon, who was a, a reporter for the one of the guys that was on the team that I call the BLT team. I mean, Victoria and Tunzing and them. I mean, it, it would be like in a question Oh, oh, it would be great. It would be in a, one of those type of a scenario without actually telling him what he wants to do. He would have them come out and say, "Oh, well, we could do this. Oh, that's great. That's that's that 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 would be that would be a great thing. That would be fascinating. I mean, stuff like that." Yeah, it's. I said it, going back to my first book, Disloyal, and I say it on TV all the time. He speaks like a mob boss. Exactly. You know, it reminds me, like for me, when I was sitting with him in you know the White House. And we were having a conversation, and he said, Michael, Michael, there's no, there's no Russia. There's no, there's no collusion. It's all a witch hunt. You understand? There's no Russia, Russia, Russia. And th I knew exactly what he wanted me to say. He knew that I knew Obviously, what he yeah, wanted yeah. me to say, but technically, he never said anything. That's right? right. And it's... um. It's an art. I got to give him that. You know, sometimes it was a little bit more specific where he would actually, like with Russia, he would actually mention it. But how many times have you heard him say something like, hey, you know that thing that you were looking at, right? How great would it be if that thing just went away, right? Yeah. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about like killing somebody no, and right. getting rid of a body. No, I'm talking about yeah. a headache and information, yeah. a problem, you know, a, uh, a, a story or whatever it might be. And that's just the way that the guy speaks. I mean, he did the same thing to all of these January 6th insurrectionists. Yeah. It's the same sort of code language that he puts out there. And the danger that we have with something like that, with someone who doesn't speak straight, it's how you interpret what he's saying. Now, you're not a killer. And so you're interpreting it like X. Right. But what about a guy who's somewhat... Off the record, yeah. Def how about, let's say, defective in the mind? Yeah. <laughs> and he's seeing it as Donald telling him to go to the Capitol, smash through the windows and the doors, right? Try to find Mike Pence to hang him. Try to catch up with Nancy Pelosi to kill her. This is what these people are thinking. And they're thinking that that's what Donald Trump has told them to do. Yeah, they brought the so gallows he's there. He's playing a very dangerous, yeah, he's playing a very dangerous game with people's lives. But he wants you to believe that. He wants you to have fear and apprehension in that way, like so many, like so many of them. They're, they want to be, you know, they, they just want to take their head, stick it in the sand and then come up in a year from now and hope that this whole fucking disaster, this whole nightmare is over. Yeah, I mean, he's destroyed so many lives. I mean, in his wake, everything, you know, the, everybody he meets, everything he touches. And that's another thing, you know, it's, it's funny to say, like, uh, people that support him don't even know him. Like, there's no, all of these right. people have never met him. They never 
talk to him. They have no idea what he's all about. And then they go after people like you, like me, like Miles Taylor and other people that have spent time with him, that has worked for him, that have done things for him. And they don't want to listen to what exactly this human being is about and what, what it's all about to at least analyze it. You know, and they call us liars. It's hilarious you know, to watch yeah, that. I think that the... Yeah, that there's that adage: everything Trump touches dies. Dies, yeah. Now you got now you got another eighteen people, yeah. another eighteen people. And I think it's I think they're going to be more. I mean, because you remember, there's also thirty unindicted co-conspirators, and there's still you know super, I think superseding indictments they're going to hit in the federal uh, with Jack Smith. So I, I don't think this is all well. There's over. still the whole January sixth insurrection. Correct. Yeah. yeah, and they're talking about yeah. Arizona. You know, there's things that they're looking. Yeah. So I think they're this is you know going to go on for a while. So, look, you mentioned that you have this new book um, on the way. Um, what, what's the name of it one more time? Shadow Diplomacy. Shadow Diplomacy. And you say in the book that there's things that the Trump does not want to come out. Correct. Okay. Now, Trump is now, today, facing four separate criminal indictments, not to mention the one civil. What's in your book? that you want to share, that he could possibly fear beyond what he's already being charged with? Uh, not only him, but Rudy and several other uh, people like Tommy Hicks, who is the co-chair of the RNC and, uh, you know, like certain congressmen. What was going on in Venezuela? Their relationship with Maduro, uh, the contracts that were signed by certain uh, top uh, uh, Trump supporters of billions of barrels of oil. Uh, in return for a uh, quid pro quo by allowing Maduro to do get a uh, a pass. I mean, I talk about exactly how it transpired, who was sent, how it was done, who was who was involved, the phone calls that. Were did made. they actually accomplish? Did they actually accomplish that? Was there actually a transfer of of oil and and a quid pro quo, or there was, was actually, it just a conversation? No, there was actually a contract signed. There was actually a contract signed and it was going to go. But what messed it all up was uh, Bolton sending in uh, the insurrection that uh, the Guaido insurrection that, you know, Trump was not even uh, for, uh, which a lot of people don't realize, don't understand, because he was in the middle of working out a deal with Maduro. Wow. Wow. Because that's I mean, that's Tommy Hicks's business. I mean, his family is in that oil and gas yep. uh, from, you know, from Texas. Yep. He, he was a part of it. He happens to also, by the way, he happens to also be one of Don Jr.'s best friends. Yep. So there's no doubt in my mind that there's substantial kickbacks coming back here. I mean, look, is it any different than for. OK, so Don would have had the oil and gas. Jared Kushner has the, you know, Saudi Arabia. I mean, is there is there anything is there anything else? What about Eric? What about stupid Eric? Yeah, well, he's was only, there anything that he was... He still believes that Trump is the only family that didn't make anything in the White House. <laughs> he, he, I, think, I think he's... Uh, they, they left him out. He doesn't know. <laughs> you know, because I, I also remember that there was a lot of conversation about 5G at the time. You know, at the, at the point in time that Trump uh, took office in 2016, it was, we were, you know, on the 4G program. But the 5G that they were talking about, that they wanted to own and control, and I'm talking about like Don and, you know, yeah. that whole group of, of the guys, uh, Beach and, and yeah. Hicks and all of those guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll never forget, they were talking about using a satellite that they would own, and that satellite would be able to handle the cell phones for 
everyone, maybe on the entire planet, and that they would own it in perpetuity. Could you imagine something like that, that one individual or a group of individuals would own the ability to broadcast your, you know, your cell phone, um, Crazy. you know, stream. Uh, I mean, it's, you're talking about, I, I mean, it's like owning water, right? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, who it's... today doesn't use a cell phone or doesn't have a smartphone that would all be controlled by this satellite 5g it was crazy Crazy. and there was so many fights because so many people were trying to get in on it and it was just absolutely crazy so look let me move on and say and ask you this then because trump dropped a really strange and cryptic not that that's right i mean that's donald but he drops this strange and cryptic social media post on monday saying that he might flee to russia (laughs) under the protection of vladimir putin and (laughs) <laughs> it's I, you can't make this shit no, up, right? I mean, so with Trump facing the prospect of real prison time, it's not necessarily out of the realm of possibility. Do me a favor, walk us through how you think that he could even make something like that happen. Well, well my only problem with seeing how that happens is because he has Secret Service around him at twenty four hours, and, and they would have to report, but. Saying that, we've also seen how certain Secret Service uh, uh, are, what do you call, you know, favorable towards him and ask him to do what he says. I mean, uh, all he would have to actually do is get on his plane and get out of uh, American airspace, you know, and then, uh, I mean, Russia would take him in 100% and allow him to get in there. I think it's a, a far fetch. I think he's definitely dreaming and wants it, but I don't think uh, you know he's going to be able to get away with that, especially with all these indictments and everything that's happening. I think they, you know, they ha- they're going to keep a good eye on him. You know what I think is interesting, though. I think very much like when he was talking about Hillary Clinton and her emails, the thirty-five thousand emails. What I think he was doing was projecting a message to Putin. That's a good In a way that he's the same way that he did about, oh, how great would it be if, you know, if Russia found those 35,000 emails <laughs> and released them? You think you think that they just ignored it and say, oh, Donald was joking. I wouldn't be shocked here if the whole purpose of this nonsensical, cryptic, strange, you know, post is really to say to Vladimir Putin, hey, I'm open to come in and spend in some time there in Moscow. Yeah, you know? I wouldn't play and, past them, you know, <laughs> I mean, definitely. Yeah, I'm really, uh, n- neither would I. So look, let's go back to Jenna Ellis for a second because she's been flipping back and forth on social media, <laughs> of course, right? Grumbling about Trump, not covering her legal bills. Shocker, right? Uh, to yesterday, as you were saying, praising his mugshot. And by the way, I don't understand her mugshot. She looks like she just came out of the prom. I mean, she's smiling and shit and so on. You know, I, I don't get. Do you think that she would flip on Donald? And absolutely. Who else in your mind, out of that group, who else in your mind do you think is ready to jump ship? I think the big one's going to be Sidney Powell. Uh, you know, I think because uh, you know, going back to already the way Rudy's been turning on her, uh, he's been already making statements to the fact that. Uh, he shouldn't be responsible or held to what Sidney Powell was doing. You know, Trump called her crazy. Uh, you don't hear too much uh, about her right now. Nobody's really mentioning her. 
Uh, and she knows she has all the knows where all the bodies are buried in that crazy scheme because she was one of the main people in that scheme. So I think she's a very important person to as far as flipping because other individuals could talk about certain things. But I think Sidney Powell could talk about the whole indictment and everything that transpired, you know, uh, and all of the things that happened. So I think Sidney Powell is going to be a key player that's going to probably flip. You know who I think is going to also be very, very helpful to the prosecution? Uh, the IT guy from Mar-a-Lago, Tavares. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, uh, you, you sell, you yeah. sell Tavares. I, I think that his testimony is sort of the gut punch that brings Donald to his knees or, you know, any of these other co-conspirators. And I think, I think that simply because what it shows is there was a conspiracy yep. amongst a group of individuals, hence RICO, that conspired in order to delete out the videos on the classified documents and so on. And I really do believe that his testimony, which will now contradict testimony that has been given to law enforcement, so on top of it, you have a 1,001 violation of lying to, to government, I think that's going to be the gut punch that puts a whole bunch of people on their knees and for them to try to get up, they're going to actually need to provide uh, testimony, uh, documents and so on to prosecutors in that specific Jack Smith case. I really do. Oh, no, I agree with you one million percent. And I think the biggest gut punch that it goes to is the guy, Oliveira, the guy that's right now, yep. you know, because it basically puts him doing all of the stuff that he lied and said he didn't do. It's going to bury him at, at trial. So I think uh, unless he changes attorneys quickly, because obviously the attorney he has is somebody that Trump's paying for, and they're probably telling him, don't worry, you're going to get pardoned. Everything is great. Bloody daddy. Life is beautiful. <laughs> don't worry about a thing. Uh, but unless he uh, realizes really quickly, he's the one that's the gut punch is going to be too quick. And if we and if he flips, then it's over with. I mean, there you know because he, remember he had a twenty minute conversation with Trump that I mean I still can't imagine what the hell they could have been talking to for twenty minutes. Trump, I've never heard him even talk yelling. I mean, I've been, right, right. Have you ever had a 20-minute no. conversation with Donald? No, I mean, I've never seen him have a 20-minute conversation with anybody. <laughs> you know, even when, with Rudy, like when they would be going over the Mueller report or something, it'd be like 10, 5, 10 minutes of screaming, yelling, and then and he'd be on to the next thing. I never knew he had the, you know, capacity of having a 20-minute conversation. I mean, I can't even imagine, especially with uh, air conditioning employee guy, I mean, the service guy. I mean, it, it, it's... Uh, no. Yeah, not not he wasn't air conditioning. He was, I think, the IT guy. No, no, it was the uh, Aleavera is the one that he had the conversation. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. With, that's exactly. Yeah. He was like the the caretaker, the caretaker for the property right, for the property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, I mean, it's amazing, you know, <laughs> to uh, some of the shit that's going on. I mean, you can't, like you said, you can't make this up. You can't, you know, if this was a movie, if we were watching a movie, nobody would believe that it could ever be real. Everybody would say, oh, this is fantasy. This is not real. This could never happen. And we're living it through real times. I mean, through a real lens, through real events. It's just insane. It's, it's like if this was House of Cards, the TV show, and you'd be like, come on, this is the stupidest thing. I can't even finish watching exactly. the season. <laughs> I mean, it's just that dumb, right? Well, let me ask you this question, because there's a lot of conversation that this Georgia case, which, of course, is a state, that this case could potentially go federal. 
What's your What's your thoughts on that? Do you see any possibility of that happening? I don't think so. I mean, even by uh, Meadows already losing with Clark, uh, their uh, bid to be able not turn themselves in, the, the judge struck that down, and they're having a hearing on uh, Monday, I think it is. Uh, for it to be federal, just like it, it would have to be something that he was doing in the office of the president. And these people would have to be, but at the end of the day, they were doing for his campaign, had nothing to do with the president's office, had nothing to do with uh, the presidency. It all had to do with personal motivations and personal things and a part of his campaign. So, and that's on, on that point, the other person that I think is going to be detrimental, and I, I call him the Sammy the Bull Gravano, <laughs> is going to be Mark Meadows. I think Mark Meadows eventually spills the beans on everything. I think he's already cooperating to a certain degree with the federal case. That's why he has a been charged mm -hmm. or there. Um, I think he un maybe didn't believe or underestimated and didn't think he was going to get charged in Georgia. That's why I think you see the panicky uh, motions that are being filed and, and responses. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think uh, once it settles, I think he's going to definitely cooperate in Georgia and in the federal case and try to save his hide as much as he could. And he knows a lot, you know, between him and Sidney Powell, they don't need Rudy. They don't need anybody else. Because remember, Rudy was as complacent as Trump was. So it's like, you know, Rudy was one of the main leaders of the game. Yeah. You know, another guy who I think is a potential cooperator is the guy, uh, Ken uh, Chesbro, right? He did something which I thought was incredibly unusual. And that was to invoke the Speedy Trial yeah. Act, um, you know, his constitutional right. And as a direct result... The judge now set this case for October 23rd. Now, this is a little bit of a problem because, you know, uh, in October, at the beginning of October, don't forget, Donald has the civil case uh, against him. And that's set in stone with uh, New York Attorney General Tish James. Then he's going to have this one. Literally, when that case finishes, it's going to be one after the other after the other. First of all, to have one trial is exhausting. But to have as many as this guy has, uh, I mean, I, th I find it. Personally, I find it impossible. If you really, and I think it was Ellie Honig who did it. He put it up onto a board um, with a calendar. And um, on, on CNN, he did it this morning. And he was like, this is a impossible calendar yeah. for anyone. I mean, for anyone. I don't know. Anyone. I mean, it's yeah. literally, it's impossible um, for any one person to handle this sort of scenario. It's like, he's going to live the next eight, nine, ten months in courts. In courts, yeah. Every absolutely. single day. And he absolutely. and in the criminal cases, you have to show up. But in the civil case, he's going to want to show up because it's his money. But I found the Chesbro's move very interesting because it really does benefit Donald and the other co-defendants in this case because it gives them a lot of information as to what the prosecutors have and how they intend on presenting the case to the jury and so on. I, I find it very interesting. Now, he was, of course, taking a serious gamble here. Oh, serious gamble. The prosecutors, yeah, that the prosecutors are not ready to go to trial. And one of the things uh, that I have heard about, um, you know, Fannie Willis is she would never have filed this indictment if yeah. she wasn't ready to go to trial literally the day after. Okay, you have to start, you know, um, marking your exhibits for trial and this and that and start preparing, you know, all the stuff. But, you know, that could be done in 
you know, couple of weeks, especially with the size of the f task force that she has Absolutely. at her disposal. But they've been meticulously working this case. I thought it was a very stupid move by uh, Chesbro. And it was so stupid, I actually thought that it was done in conjunction, right, with, uh, with government uh, making him into a cooperating witness. I agree with you. Because I, I can't believe that somebody, I just can't believe that someone would be that stupid to try to call a bluff on a DA that actually filed um, an incredibly well-written indictment paper. But, you know, Lev, look, hour goes by very quickly. Yeah. You, know, you and I can hang <laughs> yeah, out for, <laughs> you know, for more hours and sit and bullshit about <laughs> all of this. But I do want to change gears for the last question for a moment and discuss the FBI whistleblower complaint that you wrote, and I quote, it confirms what I've been saying all along, that Rudy Giuliani was working with Russian operatives like Andrei um, Telezhenko to spread disinformation related to Hunter and Joe Biden in order to help Donald Trump with his bid to win the 2020 presidential election. Absolutely. What can you tell me about? What can you tell my listeners about that? I mean, it was, you know, there's not so much being made up in the media about that, and that's unfortunate. But that 1023 from the FBI whistleblower that came out and basically blew the lid of everything that I was talking about for the past four years, I mean, to the dot, that Andrei Telezhenko was an operative that worked with certain oligarchs that were working with the Russian government to basically hurt Ukraine and also get involved in our politics here. And Andrei Telezhenko moved his way into, started being close with John Solomon and certain people uh, in the Trump administration. He was, uh, Solomon tried to push him onto me several times, but after doing due diligence in Ukraine, even the most corrupt Ukrainians would tell me that stay away from this guy. And Rudy knew it all along until obviously I got in indicted and arrested. And then he moved on and went directly to Andrei Telezhenko, who was working with Andrei Dirkach at the time. And they're both. Uh, Andrew Dirkach is uh, indicted in both countries. Uh, he's an ex-KGB uh, agent. You know, his father was an ex-KGB uh, agent. This is a guy that it was planted to, uh, to, to give false information. And this is the information that was sent into Senator Johnson's uh, and who Senator Johnson spread this information that got to Comer to, that we're seeing nowadays. And that's why you don't hear anymore about that 1023 that they had that huge whistleblower after my letter to Congress because it debunked their whole conspiracy. I mean, because there was no um, money being, you know, bribes being done. It made, it made no sense to begin with. I mean, uh, but there was no evidence to prove any of that. These were all concocted conspiracy theories made up by Russian operatives working through Ukraine that got into Rudy's sphere and then they got into the halls of Congress. Yeah. And yet, there's still that whole MAGA base that refuses to acknowledge. And all they ever want to say right after, right after things that Donald and Rudy and the other 17 and the other people in the other cases who are being indicted. What about Hunter Biden? What about Joe Biden? You know, Joe Biden. And I've had people say this to me. Joe Biden took $125 million, right, from Russia, Ukraine, and so on. And I said... You know, if you want to turn around and say, did Donald Trump pay me back for the hush money payments to Stormy Daniels, just go online. You'll see the checks. They're out there. How did, how, how did Hunter Biden, how did Joe Biden receive $125 million? Where? 
Where is it? Exactly. He certainly doesn't live like he's worth where's the, 125 where's the million trend? dollars. Show us the wire. They keep just saying, show me. Yeah, they keep saying. He, show me anything. Yeah, show, and, and, you know, just like the tapes, they have 17 tapes and uh, of conversations. I mean, it's all nonsense. But it goes back to, look, just think about the interview Trump just did with Tucker. You know, in that interview, he's talking about that how in 2016 at, on the debate stage that he wanted to ask Joe Biden and tell him, how did you receive three and a half million dollars from uh, Moscow's mayor's wife? That's false. I mean, Hunter received money. Joe Biden didn't receive that money, but he's already implementing that. Joe, you received that money. He's input, putting it into the heads of his mega followers. And that's it. Mm -hmm. They don't want to hear anything else. But there's no fact behind it. There's no truth. Joe Biden never received three and a half million dollars from the mayor of Russia's wife. You know, so it's just little things like that, that he continuously till this day spews lies. It's backed up by his tentacles in Congress, like Comer, Getz, uh, mm -hmm. Marjorie Green, And, you know, some people, you know, don't have time to do due diligence and investigate. They spend five minutes listening to the headlines and they believe that it's true. And that's crazy. So, Lev, thank you for joining us today on Mayor Culpa. I know you're getting off this home confinement shit very yeah. soon. I wish you all the best. You know, thank you, Michael. Um, you know, I'll tell you, supervised release, of course, you'll find it. You, now you can go out with your family, re, you know, establish Can't all wait. of your, your relationships. I wish you all the best. Um, Thank you, you brother. Know, stay, stay in touch. And as more of this shit with Rudy comes down, you know I'm going to ask you to come join us Absolutely. again. Good luck with the book. Um, I believe that I am getting a copy from your people. Uh, I definitely want to have you. I definitely want to yes. have you back uh, to talk about it because um, from what I'm hearing uh, out there in the streets. There's going to be some interesting know, things. <laughs> yeah, there's some interesting stuff there. Thank you, my brother. I will see Thank you soon. Thank you. You got it, Michael. Thank you. And now for today's mea culpa. In reading Trump's deposition, there is ample evidence of Trump's mania and narcissism on display. But what you really get to see on full view is his contempt for the law. In his mind, the truth is the truth. Why? Well, because he says so. And how fucking dare you challenge what he says? Each and every utterance of how he saved the world or the beauty of his buildings is a monumental sop to his own ego. Never have you met an individual who needs to blow more smoke up his own ass and then believe the lies that he just told himself. I mean, it's quite mind-boggling. But in reading the transcript, you can also see how he is able to tell himself the lies around the election and decide that the version of the truth he believes is the unvarnished truth. I mean, the man lives in a world where one plus one equals, well, whatever the fuck he says it does, and the truth is what he needs it to be. Once that is established, he carries on as if he were Winston fucking Churchill. In reality, we are witnessing the ramblings of a man-child, an imbecile on the verge of a total mental breakdown who has spent the entirety of his worthless life with other people helping him wipe his own ass. Now that he is being held accountable for the lies and for the first time really in his life, the overstatements, the complete and total bullshit, he can't believe that the game is actually over. Well, guess what? It is, buddy, and this is only the beginning. From now on, you'll be nothing more than a professional defendant. And as always, thanks for listening. 
Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. Written by Jimmy Jelinek. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustad, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Maya Culpa, nothing but the truth. This is-